Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Excel Radio's Ask the Expert. Brought to you by Beckshot Photography and Video. It's your story. Make it awesome. For more information, go to Beckshot.com. Now, here's your host. We are in the studio today with Stone and Robert again. Hi, Stone. How have you been? I am doing well. I've played all summer. It's great to get back in the saddle again. The last time we did this, you made me run that board devil machine over there. Board. <laughs> and I, I'm going to let you do that today. All right. I got you, baby. Earn your keep, Sam. <laughs> and, uh, and Robert Mason's here, the real estate master. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Nobody's going to listen anyways. Got that right. But they're listening to the show. They're listening to the show. So we got a great show today yep. with a very special guest yep. uh, that Robert invited. Robert, introduce your guest. Our guest today, well, we've got two gentlemen here. Um, Mayo Saul is my neighbor, and um, and he literally lives right next to me. And he's the senior pastor of Live in Atlanta, and he played football at Auburn. War Eagle. War Eagle. We won't <laughs> say go War Eagle again here on the show today. Promise. Go dogs. And uh, we've got Will Aldridge, his sidekick, who we're real happy to have on air today as well. So welcome in, gentlemen. Thank you, Hi, guys. Thank you. Hi. So before us. we start, I just have to say one thing, because I had to apologize the other day. I, I got an Alabama fan in one of, one of my groups, and I had to tell him, but this will be good. Really? My, my nephew just got accepted to the School of Architecture at Auburn. Oh, praise. And, Congratulations. And because he's uh, like valedictorian and all this. He's starting almost a year ahead of his colleagues, so he'll go straight into the labs and the practical stuff while the others are taking their uh, their leveling courses and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, so that's a pretty good school to get in, but especially on that basis, I think that's going to be a good experience. He's going to love it. Yeah, one of my best friends, Shan Morris, he played football at Auburn back in the eighties, and uh, we grew up together. So I see him a lot, and he's always he's always plying those Auburn Tigers. <laughs> we need to be. Now, isn't, we need prayer. Isn't Clemson the Tigers also? Yeah, yes. they are. Yeah. So there's a good rivalry there, right? I think Auburn just stole one of our recruits, a linebacker, if I'm not mistaken, from Georgia. Yeah, it was a five-star. Yeah. We flipped him. Flipped our linebacker. Yeah. Wow. They need the help, though. Auburn does. Oh, my goodness. Low blow. No, we do need. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually living here in Atlanta now. I'm kind of a tech Bulldog Falcon yeah. fan. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm moving over. You know, I do have an allegiance to Auburn. But you know I'm I'm you know I'm here I'm proximity now. Yeah. So did I'm, you uh, did you grow up in Alabama? I was born in L.A. and I grew up LA. in Louisiana. Oh, okay. so I was an LSU guy. Uh huh. Yeah, a little bit of UCLA guy. So I'm I'm, so I'm guess, a bit of everything. So I guess yeah. you know when it comes to saying hook 'em horns, this is the wrong crowd. Yeah, don't don't, don't do that. Yeah. We won't talk Bijan Robinson today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Today. So we've got a fantastic story to tell here, or Mayo's got a fantastic story to tell here. And really, Mayo's incredible journey in life is is a three-part series. It should be a freaking mini-series as far as I'm concerned. So Mayo, let's break it down kind of like what you and I talked about, years zero through 25, 25 through, you know, where you're at now. Yeah, it's, you know, like, you know, Robert say, it's, um, it's been a journey and, you know, I think the journey is still going, but, you know, for, for time sakes, you know, we will start at that young age where I was born, like I said, in LA and my parents, they lived in, they did the California lifestyle in the eighties. So I yeah. was born in the eighties and, and, um, you know, we just, we just had, you know, we had rough times in the big city and my dad was struggling. He was trying to find his career and my mom, 
you know, she was being a young lady in L.A., and they decided to move to Louisiana. And at that time, you know, the marriage wasn't, you know, it wasn't as healthy as it should be, I would say. And I just grew up, you know, seeing my mom and dad argue and fuss and fight and stuff. And probably around the age of 13, 14, I started playing sports. And at that time, when I really, you know, um, fell in love with basketball, that was my kind of my first sport. You know, I played basketball. My mom and dad got a divorce. And my mom decided to just run away from my dad one morning when he went to work. And she was like, she just came and gave me some, you know, a, a trash bag. And she was like, hey, fill this trash bag up with your clothes. I was like, oh, uh, OK. And I felt I filled it up and we left and we went all the way to Birmingham, Alabama. And that's where we stayed. And my dad, you know, wasn't in my life at that time. And my mom was working somewhere and she um, she met this guy that was a Christian and he was a believer, and his name was, um, his name was, uh, they called him Dick Gardner, but his name was Robert Gardner. And he was like, hey, Mayo, um, I really love for you to play with my sons. So I started playing with his son, and his son, you know, mentored me a little bit. And that's when I really fell in love with basketball, and I started to take it serious. And then they was like, hey, Mayo, why don't you try football? I was like, I don't play football. I just play basketball. And I excelled at football my first year. And that's when I started getting recruited and stuff. And Auburn ended up recruiting me, Alabama, LSU, all the schools in SEC. And I chose to go to Auburn University. And at that time, you know, when I went to Auburn, I was like, you know, I was I was pretty good in football. But I just couldn't stay. I couldn't stay focused. You know, I was going out partying, drinking, just doing the, just doing the college thing. And I just had those bad habits. And, um, you know, ultimately I got an opportunity to go to the NFL. Went to the NFL, and that was my first time experience in Atlanta. You know, a black guy with money in Atlanta, <laughs> <laughs> with no no values or no morals or anything, but just that's an accident waiting to happen. Because we moved to Atlanta, my guys, we we said, hey, what? Like we was like we made the we made the we told each other we was like, hey. So a friend of mine went number two pick to the Miami Dolphins. Another guy went number five to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Cadillac Williams. Another guy went number seven oh, to the yeah. Washington Redskins. Then another one went 17 to the Washington Redskins. So all these guys, just millions of dollars. So I'm a friend. What's my responsibility? Help them spend their money. So, <laughs> so we all decided, like, hey, let's just be friends. Just help each other spend our money. So we decided. We was like, hey, where are we going to live at? Like, let's just, like, after the offseason, let's live in the same space so we can hang together. And we was like, well, Atlanta, I mean, we heard the ratio is 16 to 1. Yeah. We was like, that makes sense. We got money. We got Why women. 16 to 1. I can I can deal with those odds. Yeah. So we moved to Atlanta. And, man, I mean, we just went on this journey. The 16 to 1, it was just fast living and I just, I mean, it just overtook me. And I ended up getting, at that time, I got cut from uh, Buffalo Bills because I couldn't keep up. I'm, I'm living this type of life off the field, and I just couldn't keep up. Then I tore my ACL. So I'm back in Atlanta. And at that time. Is that your rookie year? Yes. Okay. And at that time, Robert, I was like, man, I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, I graduated from college. I did get a degree. But I'm like, am I going to start all the way over? So I tried real estate. That didn't work. That's yeah. what your father was in, in real estate. Yeah, he was, yeah, my dad was in real estate. So I tried what I knew my dad was doing. So I tried real estate. That didn't, I didn't have the patience. And uh, I just had this bright idea one day. Well, in the, in the nightlife, three people are glorified. The athlete, the rapper, and the drug dealer. Like, it, you know, in culture, 
in the nightlife at that time, it was three people that was glorified. I was like, okay, I can't play and be the athlete anymore because my ACL is going. I can't rap because I can barely hold a beat. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to grow cornrows out and be a rapper. Can't do that. So I was like, hey, what about this third option? Sell drugs. So, you know, as you met my dad, Robert, you know, we, we're very entrepreneurial. My, my, my whole family is just very entrepreneurial. See some, do some, get some, recruit some, do some, make something. That's just us. And, um, I gave it a shot. You know, I start, you know, went on my venture and I started selling drugs. I started with marijuana and it just continued to grow. And I did that for six years and I was doing a deal down in Arizona and, um, I attained, I obtained everything that I wanted. I had all the cars my friends had. I had all the money they had. I had everything. And I was doing a deal down in Arizona and, um, little did I know I was doing a deal with the federal government. Oops. Oops. I remember like it was yesterday, buddy, you know, a car came across the parking lot going 40 miles per hour. And I was like, man, this car is about to hit us. We was in the parking lot, you know, it's kind of broken the deal. And, um, and I seen the, I seen on the shirt of the person driving, it said DEA. Then the say the lady next door with the baby in the basket. She came out with a firearm, DEA. Then the guy walking on the corner in the trench coat looking homeless, DEA. Mm. It was a sting. The guy that we was doing, um, the guy that we was doing work with, he was a federal informant. And at that time, they took us, we was in Arizona, took, they took us away. It was two of, two of my friends. And uh, I seen a piece of paper come up under, the, it came under the door and it said, Mail so well versus the United States of America. Now, this is not Mayo Sowell versus, um, like, Atlanta, you know, Fulton County. No, this is the, I would say, year-to-date, the strongest, well-established nation ever mm-hmm. versus Mayo Sowell. I didn't know what to do. And I was facing a minimum of 15 years of life. My other friend was facing a minimum of 30 to life. And my other one was facing a minimum of 47 to life. And I was like, what am I going to do? And, um, man, it was, I mean, I, I can go on and on. Like, Did you, know, you call your dad? I was scared to call my dad. Um, I called my mom. I called home the next day. And I called my mom. And it said, it said, you have a collect call from federal prison in uh i was thinking i was in florence in florence arizona to accept press six to decline press nine. Oh wow she accept she pressed six at the other end of the phone it was hey ma this male she hung up unbelief i had to wait to call 30 minutes because you can't you gotta call in 30 minute intervals so i called back Screaming. Oh, no, 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 my baby. I'm like, yeah. And man, it was just, you know, it was, um, yeah, it was, I mean, you know, life, life hit me right there in the face and I kind of woke up. How old were you at? Uh, that's a great question. I don't keep up with age anymore. <laughs> uh, I think I was 27, 28, 5, 27. Right, right, right. I think, I, I want to say 26. And, um, yeah, it hit me. You know, so I, I I could either, yeah, I just, it hit me. Like I could, I had a decision. I could have went down in a shell, but if you go down in a shell in prison right then, you can be taken advantage of you because now you become vulnerable. Mm-hmm. 
or you had to numb up, puff up to not become vulnerable. So I had to numb quick. I had to real quick, and um, and it was chaos because I was in Arizona at that time. In Arizona, it's gang like down south, you know, like we may do a little gangs out west. Oh no, it's gangs. You got the natives. You got the, you got the. They call them the chiefs. You got the you got the Espanols. You got the uh, Serenios. You got the Norteños. You got the Mexican mafia. You got the whites. You got the like dirty white boys. They call them. Now you have Aryan Brotherhood. Like it's it's territorial. So it's it's not. Let me think about my time. No, let me think about my life right now. These five minutes because they can take it. So it was just it was man it was chaotic. But um yeah it was it was yeah. Hey, listeners, I'm sorry about this story right now. <laughs> right. Hey, somebody probably in the car like, yeah, well, what, is, what is happening right yeah. now? Robert, who, are you sure this is your neighbor? <laughs> hey, how often do you stare out your window at your neighbor? <laughs> you know, Mayo. Uh, I'm his neighbor, y'all. I promise. We're neighbors. And we're good neighbors. We're happy neighbors. Yeah, we are. We love each other. There was a time. And, of course, the disclosure, right? All, yeah. the, all the people portrayed in this show are real. Yeah. These are real characters. These are real, real people. <laughs> Real grass, like real, hey, real traffic on the on the cold sack. It happens, man. There was a Sunday where <laughs> oh um, we had an incident in my house where oh. a guy came to my door who was arrested the day before, who broke into somebody's house in the neighborhood, yeah. and and ran off all of a sudden. So we've got this strange incident going on in it with a neighbor, or no, we didn't even know. And so this guy on a Sunday comes to my door. And we've got ring doorbell, and I we saw him coming up the driveway, and we knew exactly. We were like, "Oh no, it's that guy! It's the guy that's going to tr- break mm-hmm. in." Yeah. And so my wife and I, we have code words, and we have we have action plans in place when things might happen. So hers is call the police, get her her Glock uh, twenty seven, and mine's to grab shotgun, rifle, whatever <laughs> is appropriate. Glock 27. Well, well, yeah, a shotgun's <laughs> appropriate for one coming up the driveway, in my opinion, because I, you know. I'm a 1911 man. Don't you hurt this, the right? neighbors, right? Don't hurt, over <laughs> penetrate and hit any of the neighbors if anything goes down. Blame so this that. guy comes up and we, I run him off. I'm like, dude, you need to leave my house right now. Wife's calling 911 and they came and, and the guy escaped. Yeah. And so I think it was the next night. I'm out of town, by the way. My wife is blowing my phone up. I am nervous. Yeah. But praise God, she's in a group text with him. Yeah. Robert's next door. With so him. now I'm in this group text and I see his preparation. I'm like, I don't never need to come back. You okay. <laughs> Trust me. Whatever yeah. I'm going to do, I promise you, he's going to do yeah. it a thousand we're, times better. We're going to get there. Yeah. And so your wife hit me up and she goes, there's somebody banging on the door. <laughs> this is and the next day, the next, next night. Day. Yeah. yeah. And it's dark. And so I grab a, a handgun and I go bolting out and it's you, man. It's me. He don't know it's me. <laughs> I'm beating on the door because, okay, you wives, they lock every door. Yeah. Like, why do they lock doors? No, we live here to not lock doors. <laughs> yeah. But she locks every door. So I'm beating on the door. And I say, hey, I hear, hey, yeah. who are you? Yeah. I'm like, Rob, this male, bro, this male. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I had to apologize real quick. It was amazing. Well, I I find it's good to announce myself when I'm showing up at his house, too. Yeah. Yeah. Probably get an announcement. (laughs) Yeah, we we heard you coming way earlier yesterday. Walk me through this. How does someone get to the point where they want to become a drug dealer? I mean, I understand if you get kind of 
you live in Compton, let's say, right? Yeah. It's just the only path you can take, and it yeah. just kind of happens to you by circumstance. All of a sudden, you're surrounded by it. Yeah. How, do you, how do you walk down a path where you say, this is what I want to do? I would say it's the same. This is going to be a horrible illustration. I would say it's the same thing as um, Robert walking down the path and wanting to do real estate. You know, he knew it. He's seen an opportunity. He's seen a void, and he's seen that he can learn it. However, it was a resource that was close to him. So it's a lot of guys in the inner city. Now, my journey was different because I wasn't in the inner city because I had to go in. But there's a lot of guys in the inner city, and they see that resource next to them. They see a void. They see a need. And they be like, hey, this is a quick way. Let me learn it and do it. So for me, everyone around Atlanta, you know, just they would smoke this high-level marijuana. I seen a need. <laughs> Let me fill a void. Let me learn how to do it. That's how I walked into it. Now, it grew. As, as as course, you know, we probably know real estate guys that get in, you know, I would say residential. And then all of a sudden it grows to commercial. And, it, you know, but it the same thing. It grew on me. And um, the bottom line was it, the bottom line, it was just pride, ego, to get this lifestyle with someone with glorified mayo at the end of the day. And it was by this word right here that we say sometimes, these words, by any means necessary, I will get back to it. And that was it. It was the quickest route. So are you saying that's a cultural issue? Because No, I'm I'm not saying it's a cultural issue as much as I'm saying it's the easier issue culturally. It's just, it's, it's it's easier to get to it. To to go get like it's it's I I would say it's um it's five people away. Like Maybe in Decatur, in the inner city of Decatur, you can go to five people and you can get a bag of weed. Whereas right here in Marietta, I can go to five people and get a piece of real estate. It's, just, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's almost who you know. It's the circle. You know, they say, you know, I can you show me your friends, I can show you a future. Right. Five people you hang around with the most, yeah, that's what you're going to be. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. and it's just, you know, so that's why, that's why I believe in diversity so much. Because now my network has changed because my friends have changed. You know, so now just where I can go left and go five people away and probably get a bag of marijuana. Now I can go right and go five people away and get a piece of real estate. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think diversity is so huge. And I think it's a lot of things that try to keep us divided so that we can't use the resources from each other. And I think that's that's this huge problem. Yeah, you, you mentioned the rule of five people. Uh, I hear that a lot lately. It's been coming up a lot. It's becoming a theme out there. Basically, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's right. Uh, you believe that? Is that a valid philosophy to you? Do I believe it's it's um it's just gamble? Would I gamble on it? I would gamble and yeah. say yeah. I, I don't know if it's proven, but I would take that bet. That's a good bet. That if I spend time with five people, I will become the sum total. Of them. I take that bet. You know, I think deceived bad company corrupts good morals. That is that is a great piece of literature <laughs> in the Bible. Yeah. I, I, I hear that one's been translated a few times. Oh. Yeah, probably. Yeah. A thousand times. Yeah. So what made the difference from for you? Here you are sitting in this prison. Yep. You get hard, you're looking around, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, at any on any given day your life is a question you gotta answer, right? Yeah. So now what? What happens next? So I end up um I end up coming back to Atlanta because I bond out from Arizona. I came back to Atlanta and I'm still waiting on how much time they're gonna give me, how much what's my sentence gonna be. So I stayed out for a year and a half and it got worse. You know, I, 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 I say I took more, uh, 
risk because I knew I was either going to go on a run or I was going to go to prison. So I took bigger risk, you know. So um, and a friend of mine, I was going to go on the run. I wasn't going to go to court. I wasn't going to go back to Arizona and go to court. I was just going to go on the run, take a chance. And I called a friend of mine. And um, it's crazy how, you know, um, like in the Bible, it has this story of God speaking through a donkey. And I don't know anyone's faith. I'm not into, you know, this is not a faith talk or whatever. But it's just in this, my faith in this Bible, it shows God speaking through a donkey. And, and what the point of is the story God can speak to anyone or anything. So um, I called a guy and he's I mean, he's not a man of faith. He doesn't like I wasn't even a man of faith. And I say, man, I think I'm not going. You know what he said to me? He said, bro, just go. For some reason, I think you're going to get your life back and it's going to be better. I'm like, hold on. You, you know, you're the guy that's going to encourage me and tell me how to go. <laughs> like, what do you mean go? I think you're going to get your life back and it's going to be better. First of all, you don't even say better out of your mouth. Like, that's not even your vocabulary. So it threw me off. I'm like, am I talking to the police? <laughs> Are you the feds? <laughs> like, what's going on? And I went. Sure enough, I went. And I, the judge, when I went before the judge, they gave my co-defendants, one of them, they gave 16 years. The other one, they gave 37 years. And now I'm about to get sentenced. They sentenced all three of us, 37, 16. And now he gets to me, the oldest judge on the United States Circuit, Judge Carroll. He says, um. And that's a whole nother story right there because I side note, our lawyers was from New Jersey and I, they wanted our lawyers for racketeering and conspiracies and everything. So they throwing heavy time at us. So I'm like, I'm they about to give me 10 years. He said, Mayo, for some reason, I think you're going to get it right. I'm going to give you under the mandatory minimum. I'm going to give you 50 months. So 50 months is right about four and a half years. So he ended up giving me 50 months. So I go to prison for 50 months. For 40 of those months, all I did was connect with people and think about how to do what I did better. So so prison is a school. Mm-hmm. It's a school. So you can sit under different philosophies on how to do things. Like it's a it's a diverse school. So now you have Spanish people in there. You know now now you have a closer pipeline to where it come from. You got you got Colombian. Like it's just a, like I mean it's a school, and that's all I did. Network. Think about how I'm gonna do it better. Until ten months ago, here's my diversity. A white guy came across the racial lines and said, "Could I pray for you?" Now, at that time, I'm like, why would I? I don't need like I'm there's nothing you can do for me. He laid his hands on me and he prayed for me. Everything cold turkey. Everything. Now, you know, it's PG-13. You know what we're doing right here in prison. Like you. I mean, like it's no females. So it's like I didn't even have that desire anymore. And I went back to my unit. and I'm like, where's that desire go? So now I'm like. I'm checking all my desires. I'm like, do I want to go back to Atlanta and sell drugs again? Because I had two restaurants in Atlanta. I had I was doing music. I was doing a lot of things. I didn't want to go. So I went back to him. I said, hey, what happened with my desires? Where did they go? And he said, that's God. I can't even tell you where they went. So it intrigued me 
to meet the God that took my desires. And he gave me the Bible. So he said, you'll find that God in his in his book right here. So I'm studying this book, looking for this guy named God that took my desires that I want back. I'm in prison. I can't do nothing. Let, let me have them. I couldn't get them back. Took me on this journey. And I fell in love with Jesus. Everything changed from that point on. For the remainder of time, it took me, it took me maybe a month and a half to figure out <clears throat> this is something supernatural. For that rest of the time, I said, I would like to learn how to help other people come free of what I was in bondage to. Fear, insecurity, money, pride, power, position, everything. I want to spend the rest of my life trying to help people break free. That's when I sold my life. I, I, I called my, my guys in Atlanta. I said, yo, I'm not coming back. And they're like, no, you got to come back. You have all the connections. Well, I only got one connection I know about right here in his name is Jesus. It's like, yo, you got to come back. You got to come back. I'm not coming back. Call my dad. I said, dad, can I come home and move with you? He's like, sure. Went home, moved in with him. And uh, he was in what? Birmingham. He's now? in Birmingham. Yep. He's in Birmingham, Alabama. So I'm like, man, I got to learn how to give people this hope in, you know, in a, you know, pliable way. So I'm like, I, I'm, I'm called to be a pastor, I think, but I don't know how to pastor people, you know, so I got to learn. So I get out of prison. Robert, here you go. Here you go again. I'm like, hey, I'm out of prison now. Okay. I got to get trained. What do I do? I got to find a pastor. Black guy. Let me find a black pastor. That's what I'm thinking. Like, yes, it's, that's a, come on, guys. I know you're listening and you're riding your car and that's like <laughs> you thinking the same thing. Black guy, black pastor. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. But I had an ankle monitor on. And I can only go to church within a five mile radius. And a tree just fell through my parents' house on one side of town. And they just moved before I got out of prison on another side of town. Guess what? It's only one church in a five mile radius. It wasn't a black church. <laughs> it's a white church. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, God, I'm here. And, you know, so this is not adding up right. Like, what's going on? And I meet the pastor. The pastor said, hey, I want to shake some hands. I'm going to be out in the lobby. That's 2,400 people in this room. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to shake his hand. I guess, hey, everybody's going to be in line. He got to hug every baby and kiss every grandma. Nobody was in line. And I said, well, God, if I can ask him. And he said, yes, that's how I know is you. And I asked him. And he said, you a pastor? I said, no, I'm something else with another P word, but not a pastor. Yeah. And he said, no, you a pastor. I said, well, actually, I'm a federal prisoner. And I'm on probation. And here's my ankle monitor. And I showed it to him. And he said, you're a pastor. He ended up scholarshiping me to Highlands College, sending me to Highlands Ministry School, hiring me on staff, bought my first vehicle, made sure I had clothes. I didn't have anything. I left every dime that I had in Atlanta. And he helped my, he helped, he helped me get on my feet. And, um, and I said, this is the guy that I served the rest of my life. So God was speaking through him. As Absolutely. he spoke through the gentleman in your prison. Yep. And, and the circumstances. And the circumstances and your mom and your dad. Yeah. And now Will. Will, you, you hear this. You know this story. Tell us how Mayo's doing. I'm thankful for his leadership. Uh, much like the pastor he mentioned did for him. In many ways, 
he did for me. I, I grew up in faith, but never really made it mine until college and when I went through some family things. And uh, I was actually in ministry school at the time, and I actually had to complete a certain amount of work hours, internship hours with ministries in order to graduate. And so I had known the church that he came from, Church of Highlands. They had a campus in Auburn, and that's where I was at. And uh, through a connection there, they were like, hey, Pastor Mayo's going to Atlanta to launch a church, and he's going to need interns to get this thing off the ground. And I was like, well, I got to get a degree, so like, I'll do it. And so I came in, it's just the intentionality and the availability of like a pastor to be there. Um, he uses the word proximity a lot and I was just around him and there's just something so attractive about the way he lives his life that I was like, I got to, like, I'm not going back to school that I'm literally two classes away from graduating. Yeah. I'm staying in Atlanta cause like I'll do whatever he wants me to do because he's poured so much into me he sees where i want to be he's trying to grow me to disciple me to get to where god's ultimately called me to be but he just put his hand all over it he's like will i see where you want to go i hope you get there yeah and so much like the pastor did for him he's been doing for countless people here me included so he's doing amazing it's the it's a funny thing about mentoring young people or mentoring people in particular i've been blessed starting with a great-grandfather his name is Meyer Bloomberg, and back in the 40s and 50s, Meyer lived in Memphis, Tennessee, and Jews couldn't hold public office in Memphis, Tennessee back in the 50s. And so Meyer was such a strong person back in those days that he couldn't run for mayor, so there was a mayor in charge, but Meyer was the mayor in back of the mayor. Wow. And when the mayor retired after eight years in Memphis, his uh, his leaving off his speech was about Myra Bloomberg, my great grandfather. And, um, it was amazing. I heard that story a couple of years before my father died and my father pulls out this speech and here I'm 54 years old or 50, whatever. I'd never heard this about my grandfather or my great grandfather. And Mayo, you are that kind of person from the very first time I saw you when you moved in, you're waving, I'm waving at your kids. We're just, I'm like, Who's this guy? I mean, yeah, he's all right. This looks good. You know, because the the neighborhood that you and I live in is like the UN. It, there's yeah, no. everybody. There's everybody. Every single type of person there. And I love it that way. I mean, like Diwali will come and we'll be shooting off fireworks yeah. like we did last year in the cul-de-sac. And then this other family from Afghanistan will walk. It's just, I love it. And you talk about diversity and you really live that. Yeah. Yes, it's important. You know, it's important because I've been I've been impacted by more than one. So it's only right to give to more than one. You know, so um, and I, in some in some sorts, I think we've all been impacted by more than one. You know, so, yeah, I have a philosophy and these guys haven't even heard it because we don't get to talk about it in the. This is our, big. In our when meetings. someone comes in, I have a philosophy. We don't, <laughs> this we, is big. It's getting ready to launch. Yeah, and and I'm going to get you guys to discuss it. I want to hear you, I want to hear your feedback. Cause, <laughs> but in these groups we run in, we don't get to talk about this much. So we all go through stuff, right? Yeah. And and, and we have crises. And crisis produces opportunity. Mm-hmm. And opportunity gives you some learning. And, and, and you can develop good things out of it, right? But nowhere in there does anybody ever talk about purpose. What's the purpose of going through all that? Mm-hmm. I think – it's kind of like the pay it forward idea. I think what you do in life enables you, empowers you, gives you what you need to bless other people. Yeah. Correct. You're going through similar things. Correct. 
discuss? Well, when you leave this life, right, and people are at your funeral, you can't take anything with you, right? So there's that. The people that are sitting there are the testimony to your life. Those around you, whether it be your children, whether it be your friends, whether it be the wills, the, the stones, they are going to be the testament. Did you do it right or did you do it wrong? Yeah. No, I, to- I totally I, I agree with Robert and, and piggyback. I agree with you totally. You know, I, th- I think that's I think that's biblical. You know, if you think about crises, you think about, you know, pain, you think about purpose. If you just go to the, the, the epitome of Jesus Christ, he went through a crisis. He went through pain to leave a story so we won't have to go through it. And I think that's everyone's I think that's everyone's call in life is the pain that you take on. Let's make sure that you go through it and your purpose is no one behind you will go through the same thing. Right. There's some reasoning behind it. Yeah, it's reason. But s- sometimes people, they what, what happened in the middle of their pain, they start to get selfish and they only see them being out of their pain instead of seeing what they're in their pain mm-hmm. for. They end up paying for the people behind them. So we're talking about greed. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually it turns into greed. Yeah. Yeah. Power. Mm-hmm. breeds yeah. greed or, yeah. or validation or yeah. whatever it is yeah. they're seeking, yeah. seeking for. Right. So it goes back to your statement, pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So clearly you went through this experience. Yes, sir. You got that calling that, that motivation to bless other people, your church and being a pastor is the way you do that. Tell yes, us sir. about live Atlanta. What's that like? Live Atlanta is, uh, it's living now. <laughs> We're nine months old. You know, I moved, I moved over to Atlanta maybe a year and a half ago and I was Robert's neighbor and still, you know, still, we still are neighbors. And I mean, he's seen me in the infancy stages of it when we was just having like launch parties in the basement and we launched last year, September the 18th. And we, uh, I mean, we worked hard. We prayed hard. We prepared hard. We prepped hard. And uh, that first day, we seen over a thousand people show up to the first service. Wow! Yeah. And uh, right now we, right now we're just um, right in the six hundreds. You know, uh, nine months in, and we just pushing. I mean, we, you know, our, the the live is L I I V, L I I V, and it's a story behind that also. You know, uh, but in short, it stands for love because our church. We are going to love every human that walk in the door, despite their deficits. We're going to love them, despite that's that's our job is to love them. We're going to operate with a high level of integrity, because people deserve to trust us. I, myself included. That's why I'm big on proximity. I believe you. I believe it's hard to go wrong when somebody's in your mess. Like when you this close to me, like I can't go with Susie. I'm sorry. I'm with Robert. <laughs> and Robert sees Susie and he see me flirt at suit. No, male, yo, you can't do that. So proximity is huge. So we believe in integrity. That's the that's the second eye. I mean the first eye. And the second eye is influence. Because I didn't use my influence properly the first time, this time I want to use it right the first I mean the second time. So we use our influence to help others up and push them forward and then victory. We all want to experience the victory of Jesus Christ, and that is live Atlanta. And we believe every human deserves love, integrity. Influence and victory. We had another I'll friend of mine, Jim McCray. Just listening to him. Yeah. The, the live needs to have the E on the end and the E would be for excellence. 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 It's huge. I, I, can, I can feel it. Yeah. We had it's another huge. pastor friend of mine, Jim McCray, who was a uh, head of that church in Canton that I told you about. Yes, that, sir. That situation stone. Remember uh, him and his wife, friend, um, same kind of vibe of how he lives his life now. Mm-hmm. Purpose. 
and his purpose is to speak is to speak the gospel yeah. is to educate those around us and he's doing a great job and mayo you are doing an exceptional job this is year one and you had a thousand show up day one and now you've got a congregation of 600 it's going to build my friend and it's because of you Praise and God. people like will that are sitting right next to you man they they love you we love you and people are going to support you i think i th- you know and uh, I don't take that lightly, you know, because one, you know, as a leader <clears throat> and um, hopefully you guys is listening, you know, still love me a little bit. <laughs> but as a leader, my biggest thing is insecurity. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I get insecure because, you know, of what I see and I'm like, can I do it? But that's why that statement means so much to me, because just like the guy that God spoke through him, said, hey, you're going to get your life back. My pastor, God spoke through him. Hey, you're a pastor. I take those words that you just said the same way. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. Seriously, I'm so grateful for it because it speaks to the thing that I, I think about the most. Am I good enough? And, and Mayo, all of us go through those those moments of, uh, you know, am I going to am I going to be able to honor the person that's next to me? Yeah. Like, I think that with my wife. I live a purposeful life to honor my wife and my children as well. And so like social media, for instance, I'm constantly, she's got a nickname, Holy Bear. And she's, you know, I put funny pictures of us and, you know, I don't take it too seriously or try to influence in a way that's not me real. Yeah. And, um, you know, Randy has a unique situation being in the Navy and being side by side, some of the nation's toughest warriors. And thank you guys for your services. Well, that's Randall. And um, I have done a lot of shooting and a lot of stuff with some guys, Green Berets, SEALs, and to every one of those guys, they will say, yeah, I was I, I was not sure of myself for a large part of my terms in the service. And he's like, but it was a guy next to me. I had, to, I, had to, I had to knuckle up. I had to put that extra weight on. I had to do what I had to do for the guy that was sitting next to me. I could not let that guy down. And that's what leadership is all about. We call them swim buddies and they have an enormous influence on you, right? It's like the five people theory, right? But in, in the Navy, it's all about your swim buddy. Yep. That's the guy you don't let down. That's the guy you take care of. That's the one with the big influence. Yeah. Do y'all but really I, swim next to each other? In training and, and stuff. Yeah. And, like, and you, yeah, It's like a cohort thing. You're paired together and yeah. Who was your swim buddy? He's gone now. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the point I wanted to make of that was that um, influence from the people around you is one thing, mm-hmm. right? But you're talking about insecurity. Nearly every one of those guys had a um, – they felt like they had something to prove to the world, right? Which might – you might call that insecurity. You might not. I don't know. But the idea was uh, – I think I can do more. I want to do more. I need to prove to the world that I can. That's important. Yeah. And sometimes you can't. And in war, sometimes it takes that buddy to pull it out of you, you know, you don't have a choice, right? Yeah. You sink or you swim, sink or swim. Yeah. And that's what we all do in life. Um, whether it's being in real estate, whether it's being a pastor, whether it's being a businessman, we sink and swim by the decisions that we make every single day. And we better hold ourselves accountable because, okay, there may be nobody watching, but you know what? There is somebody watching. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he's much larger than anything we've ever thought of. Yeah. Agree. So the guy that was gone, his, his name was Phil, and Phil was always watching. 
Always. But I was always watching too. And vice, you know, everybody has that experience. And wow. uh, ideas fade and the group can be something you like and also something you don't like, but that buddy you're not going to let down. That's right. Yeah. Which I guess in, in the Christian world nowadays, they talk a lot about accountability partners, but that's not really the same thing. It can be close to it yeah. sometimes. <clears throat> because accountability, you're only good, your accountability is only good as what you let them know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This swim buddy, that's different. He knows everything. He's a buddy. He's there. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, you're, yeah. you're, you're in the same stateroom, you're yeah. on the same training, you're yeah. in the same mission. You, you, you have they no know option. Everything. You have no option not to let them in. If you, if you fart in your sleep, they know it. Hey, hey bro, you, you got gas. You had gas last <laughs> night. Right. Hey, and I stayed up. Right. Yeah, you had gas, bro. Yep. <laughs> so where do you go from here, Mayo? Tell me, you know, I know you've got your church up and running. Yeah. And so tell me how this all evolves. So where we go from here, of course, uh, we are in Riverwood High School right now. So we're a portable church. That means we. That's where I went to high school. Really? Yep. That's cool. cool. Yeah, so we're in River, Riverwood High School and we're a portable church. So that means we go in every Sunday and we set up, we get there at 430, five o'clock and we set up and we make it a church and we take it down after the service, after 1130 service. So of course we would be praying and, you know, um, I would say just waiting for God to just, you know, bless us financially to get our permanent location. And we want to move into a permanent location. We do have a vision, you know, not to only be in one location, but we want several other locations around the, uh, the city of Atlanta and hopefully, you know, Georgia. So like Will, you know, my job, I think, you know, Will is called to be a pastor. So Will would like to pastor a location. So whether or not Will's location is in Atlanta, Will has Chattanooga on his heart. He and I was driving. He was like, eh, I think I'm, I'm called to go to Chattanooga one day. Pastor, help me get there. I'm like, okay, I'll help you get there. So it will be a live Chattanooga one day, hopefully. So that's, that's the vision, you know, for God to just continue to send great people. Because I think great organizations, you can't be great without great people. And, you know, he's sending some great people thus far. And we're just praying for great people. We pray for two things, two Ps. The presence of God. Because Mayo can't change anyone. God can. The presence of God. It's my job to love them. And then great people. Because great people begets great people. So that's the two things that we pray for. And hopefully we become a permanent location here in the middle of next year sometime. So permanent location, what does that look like? What type of space? Where? What county? Yep. What city? Yep. That's a great question. So permanent location would look like uh, right now for what we have to accommodate us, we would need 35,000 square feet or higher. So if you get down into the 22s, 20, it, it now it becomes, you know, it's not convenient for fa- young families to bring their kids and check the kids in. It's crowded, parking lot small. So you need probably 31,000 square feet or higher. So I would like to stay, I would like to stay somewhere close to the 285 loop, not going past, I would say, Peachtree Corners. Okay. So Buckhead, Vinings, Sandy Springs, not Camp Creek, maybe stop at Smyrna right there for the first permanent live location. So uh, I would say Alpharetta is too far. Uh, Canton is too far. Uh, uh, where we are right now is, you know, um, where we are right now is uh, Woodstock. Woodstock. I think that's too far north. I, 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 I would like to start urban. Okay. I would like to start urban because they say they say 98 percent. They say 90 to 98 percent of the people within the perimeter is unchurched. Mm. Well, there's a there's a real problem in commercial real estate these days. And so there are a lot of opportunities. And if I'm you, I'm looking at some 
shopping center space yeah. that people are pulling in and out of. I mean, you look at Linux and Phillips and, and Phipps. I mean, no one's going over there anymore. Nobody's going to these malls. Yeah. And these malls might be a good place for you to start. Yeah. I think it's I think it's I think Probably it's a, a great lot of time. space available too. Tons some of, those, of space. Or some of the, some yeah. of the uh, office buildings as You're well. You doing remote work office now buildings. because of COVID, you know, the leftovers of COVID. Yeah, right. So it's it's a lot going on. So I'm, I don't I, know what would be wrong with being in an office building for that matter. I mean, nothing would be wrong. Just have the open space <laughs> if you take can the get walls the right down. configuration yeah. that you want, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. I mean, you know, we're, we're not picky. You know, we just want to have someone with great people in the presence of God. I think it'd be great. I love the story. I love the spirit you brought it in mm-hmm. with this. And you know what's going to happen here is people that are going to find this recording are going to be at a decision point. Right. That's why it's going to be brought to them to their attention. Right. right. So what do you have to say to that person? At the find, decision when point? When he finds this, he's looking, he's in a crisis, he or she, mm-hmm. she's in, they're in a crisis. They're trying to make a decision. They're trying to figure out what their life's about. Yep. Before we go, what do you yeah. have to say to that person? So um, – I'm doing this collection of talks on try this, meaning you know, I'm doing a sermon series three weeks and I'm the whole idea is try this, try this, try this. Now you might ask that person might say, okay, may I hear you? They're listening right now. Okay. What do you mean? Try, try what they've tried everything. They tried to escape in the bottle. They tried to escape in the pill. They tried to escape in porn, whatever it may be. They tried that. So try this, try prayer. And to make it simple, I'm giving them the shortest prayer to pray. Three words. Lord, help me. Three words. Try this. I'm not telling them to go to a church. I'm not telling them to get accountability. I'm not telling them to give. I'm not telling them to get baptized. I'm telling them to try this. Lord, help me. I believe I can look them in the eye and I can look God in the eye and say, I led them right. I never see them again. And I will never meet them. Lord, help me try this. That's pretty powerful. I don't think I have anything to add to that. <laughs> what do you, what do you say after that? Yeah. I say, thank you for coming in. Yeah. No, thank you guys for having I me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Sir. Yeah. yeah I'm so glad guys. that this happened. Yeah. Mayo, you're a special person and will man. Your journey's just beginning. Mm-hmm. It is. I'll follow get, this guy. Sounds like it's going to get fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Someday. Lord help it is. Will. <laughs> no, no, I pray that. Like, no, I take, I take the me out and I say Will. Lord help Will. Why? And God says this. Why, Mayo, does Will need help? Because he deals with me. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Yeah, because he deals with me. And then I'm going to change it. Lord help my wife. <laughs> Why, Mayo? Because she deal with me. Yeah, that's the truth. That's a song. Uh, well, there, you, there you have it, everybody. Yeah. Excel with Mayo. Yep. Yeah. Thank you all so and much. And we're going to have you back, and we're going to follow Anytime. up, and we're going to we're going to see how this this is I'm going. Really for you. interested here. I can't say no to my neighbor. No. Thank you all. Yeah. No, because I'm going to hound you in the front yeah. yard. I really want to hear the the growth of the church. I'm very interested to see how this goes. Yes, sir. Thank you. 